0: Let me say a quick prayer to start us off. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Uh, We thank you for your presence with us, and we thank you for a way that we can connect um, at a distance. Uh, Lord, we pray about the storm that's happening right now and going to happen throughout the day. Uh, We pray for minimal damage. We pray for no loss of life, uh, we, we pray for protection of life and property, and um, we just pray that uh, we would do whatever we need to do to prepare, and uh, Lord, we pray that for the next few minutes, you would just help us to set our attention on you, uh, to be open to whatever it is that your Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so i uh I don't normally come up with sermons on the fly i like I'm the kind of guy who likes to prepare when i'm gonna give a message and so this is gonna be out of character for me, but i'm gonna do my best uh to offer you guys something this morning um, before I started streaming for the last hour or so. I've been sitting here just asking the Lord what is it that uh, you want to give to your people to encourage them today, and the passage that I felt led to uh, to look at is John chapter two, where Jesus turns the water into wine. And if you have a Bible, I encourage you to make your way to this story. Um, John chapter two—it's probably familiar to many of you. This is Jesus's first miracle. Um, kind of kicked off his, his ministry. And, um, it's an interesting miracle because it's not doing the, the sorts of things that we might expect Jesus to do, expect the Messiah to do. Um, it's, uh, it's a simple miracle. Seems like almost like a super, superfluous thing, turning water into wine. Um, but, uh, it, it's, it tells us something, um, that Jesus also values, um, those sorts of simple things in life, those simple joys. But anyway, okay, let me read this, and I'll just do my best to, uh, to riff on it here. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Uh, why does it say on the third day? Because in those days, weddings lasted multiple days. So this is the third day of the wedding. Uh, Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, this this is a big deal to run out of wine at a wedding, major social faux pas, especially in those days. So Jesus answers, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. I realize that might sound like kind of a harsh response from Jesus, kind of like he's speaking to Mary in a derogatory way. Uh, it's important for us to recognize that uh woman uh, didn't have the same kind of negative connotation, not that not that calling someone a woman is negative, but just directly addressing someone woman you know in in our culture that's kind of harsh that's kind of um, but when jesus says woman it has more of the character of dear woman right so he's saying dear woman why do you involve me my hour has not yet come um now what does jesus mean when he says my hour well most of the time when he talks about his hour he's referring to this point when he's gonna die and so jesus says my hour is not yet come." In, in other words it's not time for me to die yet Um, so I don't want to be involved in this. Now, why is Jesus thinking about his death right now? Well, Tim Keller has a very interesting theory about that, the pastor and author, Tim Keller. uh, He says, you know, Jesus is at a wedding, which means, like most single people, he's probably thinking about his own wedding, and Jesus knows that his own wedding isn't going to be an earthly wedding. It's going to be the marriage between him and the church, and so if Jesus is thinking about that coming wedding, that wedding that all earthly weddings are foreshadowing and pointing towards, he knows that in order for that wedding to happen, he is going to need to die, right? So he probably has death on his mind, right? In order to purchase his bride, so to speak, and, and, and cleanse her of sin and rescue her from death, he himself is going to have to pay this price of death. So Jesus would be at the wedding thinking about his coming death, and it might make him a little agitated. He might not be at rest because he's, he's thinking about what's coming, right? And so then his mom comes over and says, ah, they ran out of wine. And he's thinking, "Ah, oh, you want me to perform a miracle? You want me to do something about this? But that's going to set in motion the course of events that's going to lead to my own death. And I don't know if it's time for that yet. So... Uh, Continuing in verse five, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So Mary's still holding out hope that Jesus is going to come through here. Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and there he stayed for a few days. So... um, What I would like to encourage us to do with this story is maybe to think of it a little bit differently than we we normally do. Um, I recently read an autobiographical book by a pastor named Brian Zond. The book was called Water to Wine. And he used this parable as a metaphor for what he experienced in his own spiritual life. Uh, he, he had a uh, powerful experience of God as a, as a teenager, came to faith in Christ, and pretty much instantly started to get involved with ministry. And when he reached midlife, about 45 years old, he had this discontent. Uh, he felt like, and the way he puts it allegorically, is he felt like the wine had run out. Uh, he, he wasn't in a place where he was really uh, doubting that he wanted to be committed to Jesus, uh, that, that the experiences that he had had of God were real. It wasn't that. But he just felt like the life had gone out of his, of his faith journey. Um, he felt like he was missing out, um, that there was more uh, that he wasn't experiencing. And through a process of uh, examining uh, a lot of, of, of what he had assumed and digging deeper into the scriptures and exploring uh, what Christian uh, thinkers and theologians have, have said uh, over the centuries, um, he had this spiritual rebirth um, where he said it felt like he discovered that the best have been saved for last. Um, Like like Jesus took this kind of watery version of faith that he had gotten used to, and then brought out this this new wine, this new life um, that has helped carry him into the second half of his life um, with just a deeper and more profound experience of joy and, and abundant living in ministry. And so I want us to kind of think of this parable from that same vantage point, especially if you have reached a point in your own journey of faith where you are feeling disillusioned or discouraged, um, where the ordinary spiritual disciplines, you have either drifted from them or maybe when you do them, you feel like things are kind of dry. Um, if you are in in that position, if you feel like the wine has run out, I would like you to look at this story and trust that God has saved the best for last, Um, that there is more that you have not experienced yet, that maybe your dryness, your spiritual dryness, is an invitation from God to go deeper, to seek him more, and I think I talked about this a little bit last week in the sermon, where I talked about this trend towards deconstruction, uh, this trend towards kind of throwing people, throwing out their faith or um, uh, kind of taking a wrecking ball to the whole house of their faith. Um, I think what happens is some people experience some sort of spiritual dryness, spiritual disillusionment. And then rather than going deeper, rather than pursuing Christ more, allowing that to drive them um, closer towards him, um, they end up taking this wrecking ball to their faith and kind of throwing the baby out with the bath water. And so if you're feeling a sense of discouragement or disillusionment um, with, with with your faith journey, with, um, with church, um, I just encourage you, uh, trust that the best has been saved for last, that there is new wine, um, and that it is waiting for you to be discovered. And yeah, you might have to go through a period of time where the wine has run out, um, but there's better things coming down the road if if you trust and continue following. And the line that I have underlined here is verse five, where Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Um, sometimes when we've become discouraged, spiritually dry, um, we need to remember that. Do whatever Jesus tells you. Um, I think one of the reasons why some, I'm not pointing the finger at all of us, I'm just saying sometimes one of the reasons that we become spiritually dry is because we we stop seeing Jesus as our teacher, and we see him more as uh, Something that we believe in in order to get an eternal pass into heaven, Um, which, you know, that is part of faith in Christ. We're trusting in him that he will rescue us um, from judgment, that he will rescue us from our sin and from death and we'll have an eternal afterlife with him. Absolutely. Um, But but we shouldn't just see Jesus as this, you know, insurance Card for for the future, we we should see Jesus as our teacher, as our rabbi, right? As our instructor in life and how we live. Do whatever He tells you, right? If you're feeling spiritually dry, if we are feeling that way, we need to remember do whatever He tells you. And when we do whatever He tells us, that is the way that the new wine begins to flow uh, to us do whatever he tells you, you know, if he's telling you to purge anger and hatred out of your heart, um, do whatever he tells you, right? If he's, he's telling you to turn from lust, do whatever he tells you. If he's telling you to love your enemy, do whatever he tells you. If he's telling you to, uh, to, not, to not judge uh, or to judge only in, insofar as you want to be judged, then do whatever he tells you. Do these things, right? Um, As we do these things, the new wine uh, comes to us. So that is my encouragement for us today, uh, to take Jesus seriously as our rabbi and teacher, as our instructor in life. Uh, There's a book that I've been reading right now called The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. I'm only about a third of the way through it. It's thick, it's dense. Um, but that's really the main theme of it is that we need to remember Jesus as our teacher and as our rabbi. Yes, he's Lord. Yes, he's God. Uh, yes, he is the object of our faith in whom we are trusting to rescue us from sin and death, but he's also our instructor in how to live here and now, and we need to take him seriously, right? If we take him seriously, uh, then we, there, is, there is more abundant life, more joy, Uh, to experience, Um, so be encouraged to do that uh, this morning.